Hi, this is Julie Dolan. This is Liz Dolan. This is Sheila Dolan. This is Monica Dolan. This is Leanne Dolan. And you're listening to Satellite Sisters to Satellite Sisters to Go. Not every conversation will change your life, but any conversation, any conversation, any conversation can. listening to another Satellite Sisters Summer Splash Series. Hi, Leon Dolan here with my sister, Liz Dolan. We are both in Pasadena, are we not, Liz? I'm here with you, Leon, and I would like to just acknowledge that you are technically on vacation, and but you're agreeing to do a Satellite Sisters Summer Splash just because I was here and made you. So I appreciate that because our new season does, doesn't start till September. <laughs> That's right. The Chaos Chronicles podcast will be back September 1. And Liz did have to kind of twist my arm. She suggested a couple things. And I was like, I'm actually saving that for my show. <laughs> Um, But as you know, we've been getting together in random groups of two and three. Well, just two, really, uh, to do Satellite Sisters podcasts all summer long, just testing out a bunch of new technologies. Today, we're testing out a tried and true technology, one computer, one microphone. So, (laughs) but Liz, you're not tinny. No, no. I know a few of those tests that we did when I was in one place and Julie was in another. I sounded like I sounded really tinny in the first one. So I'll let you in on a secret for the second one that Julie and I did, which did sound marginally better. She was at her computer in Dallas and I was at my computer in Santa Monica. The reason that sounded better We didn't want to share this at the time. We thought it undermined our credibility as performers, but it sounded better because we each had blankets over our heads. (laughs) I still think, though, you don't have the best microphone in your laptop. Mm -hmm. So we're going to try to work on that for the fall. Okay, good. When that new season starts. (laughs) I'm so looking forward to the new season, Leanne. All right, we're going to talk about, we have a little news roundup, um, more pop culture. News is kind of a strong word for what we're going to talk about uh, later on. Liz apparently has a blueberry pie dilemma. I apparently was on vacation, so I missed it. So we have some follow-up there. And then we have do have a contest coming up starting September 1, so we're going to let you in on that. Um, but it is a back-to-school season, and Liz, you've noticed a back-to-school trend. Here's my trend. You know, my Facebook friends, this was the week that almost everybody I know on Facebook dropped off a child to college because they had many plaintive status updates about saying goodbye to their children. And I understand that. You know, I don't have any children, but I obviously I know lots of people who do. It's just it's so funny to me that it's such a generational thing with our generation that this is such a turning point. Because when I think back to when we went to college, I'm not sure our parents really felt that way. No, I, I can be fairly certain our parents did not feel that way. But there was an article in the New York Times this week, Liz, and it was called um, Welcome to School Students, Go Home Parents. And I wrote about it over on Chaos Chronicles because I, I find that I have become kind of a confessor to helicopter parents now since I've written about the topic so much. People come up to me at random events and confess to me like things they have done when they have been on the brink of hovering or have gone over the line and have, in fact, swooped in and tried to save their child. So it caught my eye because uh, the helicopter parent is alive and well. And what I love, Liz, some colleges now, they have invoked official ceremonies to say goodbye to the parents because they were finding that they wouldn't leave. 
I think that is so funny because if you're the student, your parents need to be there for about 10 minutes, okay? Like, all right, mom, make my bed. Or maybe the students today feel differently too. I know, I know teenagers today are much more like emotionally connected to their parents than apparently (laughs) I ever was. Liz, according to a new study, college freshmen will talk or text their parents twice a day, every day during their freshman year. I I find that so unbelievable because I remember having to like force myself to call mom and dad once a week. It was like you really had to like make a whole time in your Sunday to do that. So the idea that this would be a constant connection. And then my junior year, the year like I was in France for the year, I called once. (laughs) I I, I called on Christmas Day. So I was gone for a year. We had one high-quality communication on a major holiday, and that seemed like plenty for everyone in our family. (laughs) What I liked about this article in the Times is that the parents were self-aware. They admitted that they were overprotective, that this was a huge deal, that they felt this huge hole. It wasn't like they thought this was all normal, that, you know, they were going to miss their kids so much or that they decided to stay over two or three days there was one college that reported that one mom went to classes with her child for the first couple of days and then went into the office to change the, <laughs> change the schedule. That's Okay. I, I hate to be harsh. I do not predict good things for that poor child. You know, that, like, that, that shouldn't happen. I, 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 like, weren't you just incredible? Well, I, we had a different situation. But, you know, kids today, like, don't you want your parents to leave? Don't you want to get on with your lives? I just... I just, I really, I, I have a hard time understanding from a teenage point of view uh, why you would want to extend that constant contact. You know, one college actually, Liz, this was my favorite. They, their ceremony, their goodbye ceremony was that they, everybody lined up outside the gates of the college and the kids walked through and then they shut the gates. <laughs> The parents were like literally locked off the campus, and that really made me laugh. <laughs> I think that's an excellent, excellent visual, and on a metaphoric level, very, very nice. I, but the our situation was radically different than that, Lee. And wouldn't you say? Well, I was writing about it on the Chaos Chronicles blog after reading this because, you know, again, family of eight, Liz was child number four, and that seemed to be the breaking point at which my parents lost all interest in taking their children to college because I remember distinctly the day they dropped Liz off at Brown, and apparently there was like a landscaping strike that week or something because my parents came home and said, that place is a wreck. She's going to last a week. I know. I'm glad I didn't know about that at the time. Yeah, it's that's how engaged my parents were in our, our college choices. That landscaping was factoring in. I just, almost nothing else factor. Well, they were so mad at me for going there anyway. But whatever. It's so it is true that I think that was really the last official college drop off they did. Child number four. So it meant five, six, seven, and eight. And Leon, you're number eight. You sort of there had we had to go to Plan B for five, six, seven, and eight. And I was often Plan B. Yes, because Liz went to the fancy but Iraq Ivy League school. Her school didn't start till mid September, so that meant those of us going in August, Liz was available for drop off. So I think we drove by and like threw Sheila's stuff out the window. And again, because I was the baby, I was usually in the back seat.
And then we took Monica to Georgetown and was clearly the hottest day ever in Washington, D.C. Remember that? But first, first we stopped by Hershey, Pennsylvania. We, we went to Hershey. <laughs> I, I, I didn't recall that. I, we went to her, like Hersheyland, USA, because <laughs> because dropping Monica off at college wasn't like worthwhile enough to be its own trip. <laughs> and who would want to rush to Washington D.C.? <laughs> What's to see there? So no, we actually like swung by Julie's house in State College, PA. Okay. Drove past Hershey and then, <laughs> and then headed down to Monica's freshman year at Georgetown. Again, thank God for Liz because my parents didn't take me on any road trips. So this was that like constituted my summer vacation. <laughs> I just want one one juicy detail about the Sheila drop off <laughs> is that Sheila was attending a college where they had an over enrollment of freshmen, and so her room was actually at a. <laughs> At a Howard Johnson's Motor Lodge. So we moved Sheila into what we called in our family a Hojo Molo. So she's, she's not really going to college. She's just going to a Hojo Molo, which she loved because a room in a Hojo Molo comes with double sinks. And she thought she had hit the big time. Now, <laughs> Again, parents, who knows? Nowhere involved. Brandon just going to the same schools as my brother. So that did not merit a special trip by my parents. But it is, I mean, it is or it isn't surprising. I ended up going to college 3,000 miles away. <laughs> you you can figure that out. And um, again, I had already been to most of the colleges on I-95. So <laughs> I went to college in California. By then, Liz had graduated and had a real job. When, which took her to the West Coast. So she was, in fact, available to take me to, go, to college. And, and here's, the, here's the goodbye ceremony my parents and I had. <laughs> which has become the stuff of family lore. Because that particular year, there was I don't, it wasn't an earthquake. I don't know why part of the bridge on I-95 fell down, right? It just collapsed. So... There was a lot of traffic getting from our house in Connecticut to JFK. And we're a family that is like famously four to six hours early for every flight we've ever taken in our lives. So on this one occasion, we really sat in traffic for apparently four to six hours. I barely made that flight. My parents pulled up in front of JFK and their parting words were, get out! <laughs> get out! So the car barely stops, bags get just tossed onto the sidewalk, and that's it. Bye. Get out. And they shut the gate, apparently. Just shut the gate on me. But when I arrived in L.A., there was Liz. And once again, we had some time for sightseeing, so I had never been to California. Never mind the college I was going to. So we went to Universal. <laughs> we went to the beach. And then Liz dropped me at college. And because I'd never been there, when we drove up, we're like, is this Pomona? We didn't even know that it was the school. <laughs> and then oh, we, Liz unloaded me. And, of course, my roommate's parents were kept looking around like, where are your parents? <laughs> they're not here. Oh, they're not here. Oh, no, you won't see them till graduation. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> so I don't know. It's just very different than what kids today are experiencing. <laughs> yes, I, I like. I, I know that there's a good side to the fact that all you parents are so close with your teenage children, right? But we just did not have the kind of relationship with our mother or father growing up where the words. 
best friend ever <laughs> ever would have entered in. I mean, I love my parents. They're very nice. We take good care of our parents. They're fun to have around. But it was just not that kind of thing at all. It was much more fun to have a sibling take you to college than to have your parents hanging around. And we did. You know, we were like hanging out on the beach in Hermosa Beach. Uh, Mom and Dad would not have been up for that. And the Universal Studios tour. It's hilarious to me that we did that. And as I recall, we were both like incredibly bored. Like, okay, could you move this along a little faster? Didn't we keep jumping from bus to bus so we could get it over with faster for whatever reason? Anyway, it was very emotional, those final moments when I dropped Leanne at college. Okay. So, I don't know. You might want to try that. If you have a kid going off to college, Liz is available this fall. She's available for drop-offs. <laughs> Get out. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's up with the apple pie dilemma? Or blueberry pie. I think I missed it. All right. Blueberry pie, Leanne. Here was uh, just a kind of existential thought I had last week. And I just want to put it out there to see if the world agrees with me. Uh, I was visiting some friends last week who have a beach house. Uh, but there was a 24-hour period while I was visiting them. When they were actually away, they had to go. <laughs> they had to go do something else, and they knew I would be fine on my own. So I was like alone in their beach house with their stuff, which was fine, except that their stuff included half a blueberry pie. And so here's the thought that I just want to share and see if you agree: it is much harder to resist half a blueberry pie than it is to resist. A whole blueberry pie, if you know what I mean. Could not agree more. 100%. 100%. I, I could look at a whole blueberry pie for 365 days. A half a blueberry pie, it will be gone by the time we finish the podcast. That's the thing. Once the pie has been breached by anyone... There's nothing to stop you from just trimming the edges. You know how that works. You're just going to have a little forkful here, a little forkful there. So I spent like six hours staring at the blueberry pie. Then I thought I might be able to get it out of my system by posting my Facebook status, something about struggling with the half a blueberry pie. And I got a lot of positive reinforcement. Thank you very much, everyone who, uh, who made a comment on Facebook. And then I did do a little bit of trimming of my own. And it's not like I was trying to obscure the fact that I was eating some of the pie to anyone but me, you know, I mean, my friends, if I had, if they had come home and I said I ate the pie, they would be like, well, that's what it's for is pie, pies for eating. But I was trying to fool myself into thinking I was not going to eat the half a blueberry pie. Uh, so, so guess what I did? Uh, did you throw it away? Yes. I felt really bad about this. <laughs> I knew that I like, I couldn't be alone with a half a blueberry pie. And it just killed me because a whole pie would have been totally resistible in every way. But the half a pie, um, I, I couldn't be in the same house with the half a pie. So I, I learned this trick from Sheila Dolan. You've, you've seen her do this. You must ruin whatever the item is. You must taint it in some way. You must like pour liquid coffee. bleach on top, coffee grounds. You must taint it so badly so that even if you put it in the garbage, you're not tempted to go get it back out of the garbage. So, you know, so I did a little bit of that. I put quite a bit of salt on the blueberry pie mm -hmm. and, and then I wrapped it up in a garbage bag and I, and I got rid of it. And it was, it was such a relief. It was just, you know, so that's it. That's the whole story. Just me and the pie. I, I, I had to remove it from the premises. 
And when my friends got back, they never asked about the pie. It was a, they were the, they were not the least bit worried about the pie. It was only me the struggle with the half a pie. Man versus pie, be a good show. Um, you know what, Liz? I read. It's funny you should mention this because I read this thing in Self Magazine this month, thumbing through it, probably eating a bowl of ice cream as I often do. Uh, one of those weird weight loss tricks that work, you know. And one one thing they suggested, which I tried yesterday was that when you're faced with something like that and you feel like you're going to eat it, it actually, the trick is not to post, post on Facebook, to say the words out loud. Uh, even if you're standing alone in someone else's kitchen, I'm going to eat this pie even though I don't need it. <laughs> and and it, you, you hear yourself saying that and you feel so ridiculous and you start to think about it that you don't eat it. Oh, my God. There is, like, a genius to that. No. Just by humiliating yourself instead of feeling the humiliation after you eat the half a pie, which we've all experienced. So I did try it the other day. I was about to go for a little more ice cream, and I said out loud to myself, I am going to eat some ice cream, even, even though I don't need it. And I didn't want the ice cream anymore. Just passing that along. Okay, coming up next on the Satellite Sisters Summer Splash, we're going to do a little news roundup, or light news roundup. <laughs> Pop culture news roundup. Stay with us. All right, you are back with the Satellite Sisters. It's Liz and Leanne. We know we're enthusiastic, so we're going to try to back off the mic in this section. We're the sisters that have the loudest voices, and um, it looks like we're running a little hot, but we're having a good time. So, uh, all right, news roundup, Liz. The story this week about the Chilean miners, I almost have a hard time listening to it because, you know, I'm highly claustrophobic. So chances I'd ever be in a mine are very slim, but this is some story. I have a hard time listening to it, Leanne, because every time I do, I think of you. Knowing that, you know, you have a hard time being in a window seat on an airplane. And, you know, elevators are not your favorite place. So with this story, you have both the elation of the news that they found the 33 miners after all of those days going by, when I'm sure it was very tempting for everyone to give up hope, that they pulled up that probe and there was a note attached to it like we're here and we're alive and we're fine that's an amazing thing and every time I see that tape on television or just hear the audio you hear the screaming and the yelling and the joy and it's amazing and you get so so excited but then you get the news that it could be three or four months before they can get to them and the thought that you would be 33 people underground 2,000 feet underground in one of those shelters that they put in mines, which I'm sure are designed for an emergency, but not necessarily designed for 33 people to live there for four months, it really starts to make my heart beat. And I start to feel a little claustrophobic just thinking about it. And one difference between you and me, Leon, is I've actually been in the bottom of a gold mine. I have been in the bottom of a gold mine in South Africa. And this was many years ago. And believe me, it is not a place you would ever want to be under the best of circumstances. I just remember taking the elevator down, you know, because I was at the bottom of the deepest gold mine in the world at the time. So it was like two miles down. And you get down there and you can kind of stand up, but not entirely. 
So it's not like it, gold mines tend to be deeper than a lot of other mines. So it's not like other mines where you can walk around so much. Anyway, I just it brings me back to that moment. Know. Really, I had no idea. Oh, you got to explain that. Yeah. Well, it was just your your operating of the mine face, but there are parts of the mine where we were on our hands and knees. I don't want to give you too many details, Liam, because I think you might have a panic attack. But and another thing about a gold mine, this may or may not be true in Chile, but I know in Southern Africa. It is super, super hot down there. It's like 120 degrees. And so they have to pump frigid air down there just to keep people alive during their working shift. But it's super hot, and you just don't feel like there's a lot of air on the best day when the mine is working really well. So when you imagine these guys underground, I don't know how hot it is, and I don't know how long their oxygen will actually last. Somehow they have to get it down to them. But I think because I can almost picture it too much, it's just one of the, like, every hour lately, like, I think about those guys at the bottom of the mine and what it would really be like to know that you're going to be there for months. It must be terrifying. You're, on the one hand, joyful that you're alive, but project that out over months, uh, it's just hard to imagine what that kind of psychological trauma is like, plus the, the physical demands it would be on your body to be underground for that long. I was thinking about it today when I saw, you know, the drawings on Good Morning America and how they're going to pull them out of the mine one at a time and everything. And I thought the only way I, you could survive that, it's almost like being a prisoner of war or going into solitary confinement. And you, you wouldn't it's like it sounds like there's not physically even enough room to, quote, organize anything. It almost is like an every man for himself, conserve your energy, don't really do much for the next four months so that you can survive because I don't know how else you would do it. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen any kinds of drawings of how big their space is that they're actually in. So I could be totally underestimating how much room they have to move around and coexist in a space. But, wow, my heart really goes out to those people because they, they have an unbelievable test in front of them you know and you must feel like when you first get found you must feel like okay this is great and then when it settles on you that it's going to be months before you're really out of there it that is really a tough thing to imagine getting through emotionally so it's just it's such a compelling story yeah and you know to, to completely undervalue it it's like being in a plane when you're waiting to get off and you can't get to the gate. Yeah. But for four months, I would drive. Oh, I don't know how they're going to do it. All right. But I know they will. Let's think good thoughts. All right. Speaking of thinking good thoughts, another story this week in the news, Fantasia Barino. Uh, she was the American Idol. She's a pop star. She had been on Satellite Sisters. And I remember our interview with her as being one of the most delightful we ever did. She was the most unassuming person, so effervescent, you know, so like full of love and so much fun and so nice on the phone. Tragically, Liz, she was on Good Morning America today talking about her suicide attempt. I watched that, Leanne, and I could not get this question out of my head the entire time. Where are her friends? Where are her satellite sisters? Why is someone who attempted suicide, I think it was August 10th, right? The month isn't even over yet, and she's doing interviews with Robin Roberts, and she's out touring in support of her new CD, and she has a new VH1 behind the music where she bears all about the suicide attempt. 
it just does not seem right to me that she's already out working again, sharing the story so publicly. And when you hear her talk, not that she shouldn't talk about it, but you should talk about it to the right people who can be helpful to you. And, you know, I like Robin Roberts, but I, it was painful for me to watch that conversation. And Robin kept saying, well, everyone loves you and there's so much support. I kind of feel like the best way you could support Fantasia Barino right now is to let her sort of go and heal herself and maybe not to be asked to explain over and over again what she's been through and what she's thinking. It can't be healthy for a person who just attempted suicide a couple of weeks ago to be like out giving massive interviews. I don't know. Do you disagree? Well, she said one of the reasons she attempted suicide was because she felt the pressure that everybody always wanted something for. I mean, it's kind of a classic. So then when I heard she was, quote, performing live, I thought, okay, this is like the worst combination I've ever seen. I, I couldn't watch. I couldn't watch. And I like her, but I was like, wow, to have her do a lengthy interview about suicide and then be performing live? That, you know, that is has like Lindsay Lohan written all over it. Yeah, I agree, Liz. I She needs some friends and she needs them quick, but I think it's too late. I can't even... I just can't believe, like, who at the record company thought we got to go with this. I mean, did anyone actually say the words, we could really make a mm-hmm. lot out of this? It seems incredibly mercenary to me that they have her out on the road right now. Of course, somebody, you know, decided, well, she's so in the news. Let's just continue on with the plan. And that, But that's when you need some people in your life need to step in and stop it. And it always breaks my heart when you see those people that just have no satellite sisters, have no like friends or family that are going to be the ones to step in and say, no, 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 this is not, we are not going to put the new record at the top of Fantasia's list right now. And then as she talks about it, it's like, well, I needed to get back to work. I needed to like get back out there. Well, there's stuff that Fantasia needs to work on, but I'm not sure that selling a CD is the number one place for her to apply her um, her unbelievable energy right now. And you're right. I remember when we talked to her on Satellite Sisters, just an incredibly fun, lively, uh, you know, really interesting person to talk to. And I, I hadn't watched American Idol. So <laughs> I remember when you guys even said, oh, let's have Fantasia on. I was like, really? And then when she was on, I, I, I really liked her a lot. So I just, I wish her well, and I wish her better than what the people around her seem to be lining up for her right now. It's just, it just doesn't seem right to me at all. Okay, Liz, on to one of your favorite topics, uh, Larry King. <laughs> um, speaking of interviews, speaking of inappropriate interviews, uh, Larry King, you know, he's retiring. So last week you launched your Larry, your Harry for Larry campaign. That's correct. If you go to SatelliteSisters.com on the blog, you'll see that. I had been at the Hollywood Bowl with Sheila, our sister Sheila, and our parents to see Harry Connick the Saturday night before. And uh, Harry, you know, he's the most amazing entertainer. So much fun. Uh, like the multi-talented quadruple threat. He's he's singing. He's dancing. He's telling jokes. He's playing the piano. He's playing the trumpet. I mean, he's he's married to a Victoria's Secret model for many years, and they have three beautiful children. I mean, what's not to love about Harry Connick? So I'm sitting there watching Harry and thinking, you know, they're looking for a replacement for Larry. And they're talking, the, don't get me started on Piers Morgan, whoever he is. 
uh, but I want Harry, not Larry. If we're out recruiting for someone, you know I've worked hard to try to get Larry King off TV for many years. And I've been unsuccessful until he came to the decision on his own. And I respect that. But wouldn't it be great to see someone really fun like Harry Connick on TV every night? Or it doesn't even have to be Harry Connick. There, there are plenty of other good interviewers out there that I think I would enjoy in that time slot, prime time, a lengthy interview with newsmakers and think that that's the kind of entertainment I like during my prime time. Uh, but now I read that this Piers Morgan, who you may know him as one of the judges on America's Got Talent. Oh, you know, <laughs> I was on vacation. You know, I was out of cell phone reach in Yosemite for a while and people kept talking about Piers Morgan. I'm like, who is that? I was like, could, I was confusing him with like Piers Paul Reed, the writer. <laughs> okay, that would be an unconventional choice because you're one of the 10 people in America who knows who Piers Paul Reed is. But most of the rest of America knows who Piers Morgan is because he's the host of America's Got Talent or one of, one of the judges, I should say. So... So they sort of haven't gotten around to quite announcing his start date yet because apparently, I was thrilled to read over the weekend, he has green card issues. (laughs) He is. He's British. And he's been allowed to, like, be a judge on America's Got Talent because that's a part-time gig. But taking Larry King's job, that would be a full-time job in the United States of America. And he cannot legally work full-time in the USA. So we have a little opening here, people. We have – the universe has conspired to give us a chance to really get someone else that job. (laughs) Well – well, the Immigration and Naturalization Service jerks around Piers Morgan. So it doesn't have to be Harry Connick. I understand that the singing part of Harry Connick might not be the first choice for an all-news network. But come on, let's admit, they've, they've moved beyond any kind of journalistic mission uh, uh, years ago, uh, leaving Larry King in that slot for that long. So it doesn't have to be Harry Connick. It could be, well, you know. I'm always rooting for Bob Costas to get a good gig. Don't you think Bob would be good at that? You know I think Bob would be good. Of course he'd be good. I just I don't think he can stand the lighting over there at CNN. It's a, it's a little rough for Bob. It has to be an American, obviously, the green card issue. Um, I Frankly, I think Betty White is now overcommitted. So I, I hope it's not Betty. As much as I love her, I think we've, I think she's overcommitted. Uh, you know, Liz, a lot of people did mention you. I'm going to say oh. you had a lot of uh, a lot of votes in our unofficial uh, Harry for Larry contest. Yes, that's a very select group would have, would have put me forward. I, I would actually enjoy that job as long as you're asking. That's not I'm not like begging to be asked, but I would enjoy that job. I like talking to people. Don't you feel like I could? Talk to anyone? Even, I, I gotta say, I have a handyman in my apartment yesterday. He's fixing my closet door had come off the rails. A bunch of other things needed to get done. So I hired a guy to come in for a couple of hours and had a big punch list of all the stuff I needed done. This is one of the problems of living alone. You just, I don't have the skills or the tools to do these things. And the guy's like in my home office, hanging some pictures for me. And he looks at my bulletin board there. And it's not like I have a lot of stuff posted, but I have a few favorite photos. And he's like, is that you with Bill Clinton? Because <laughs> it was the shot where I was interviewing him last year on stage here. And I'm like, yes, it is. That is me with President Bill Clinton. Thank you very much for asking, MrHandyMan.com. So, you know, Liz, I'd like to throw you in. And then uh, there is Katie Couric. Uh, 
I mean, because I, you know, I like her quite a bit and she always has been a good interviewer to me and she seems to have fun with it. And she also knows a lot about things like other, (laughs) you know, she knows a lot about sports, Katie, and she knows a lot about theater and pop culture. And that actually is what you need. You can't talk about politics or who's got talent every night of the week for five nights. So I do think Katie would be good. Yeah, when I, I like cast my mind back to those nights where Larry King was interviewing Snoop Dogg, <laughs> and I think, well, at least we won't see the likes of that anytime soon. But here's an idea. Okay, I put Harry Forward on the blog, but I'm going to put a new blog post up at SatelliteSisters.com. I would just like people to nominate their own hosts. So who should get Larry King's hour? Let's uh, let's agree that it should not be Piers Morgan. And uh, but I would like to hear who you think would be good, because I, I like this is a big opportunity here. We have to make the most of it. And as long as I'm talking about CNN, can I just address the issue of Rick Sanchez for a second? <laughs> okay. Again, why why do you torture yourself, Liz? I mean, I, I you know I don't want to say, it, but there are like a hundred million other channels on. <laughs> There's other stuff. I mean, there's Deadliest Warrior. Come on, you can watch. <laughs> That's a family fave at our house. You might just want to try some other channels. Well, I did actually enjoy Shark Week, I have to say. I partook of a lot of Shark Week because my main man, Craig Ferguson, was the Shark Week host. So I, I actually I, I saw a lot of sharks uh, during the month of August. But Rick Sanchez is the guy that's on in the afternoon. And here's the deal with him. I just like, I just, I happened to, I don't know, one day last week, maybe when my friends abandoned me at my, at their beach house, uh, I was watching CNN and he's there at the anchor desk and he has not one, but two laptops open in front of him. And he's conducting the newscast as if he's the only person who works at CNN. You know, he's like, okay, I, I, I understand there's some news coming in on blah, blah, blah. So let me call this up over here on my laptop and I will read to you from my laptop what, you know, the Associated Press is saying about this thing or that. And I'm like, aren't there other people there that work there? Can we like go to a correspondent who could tell us about it? Or isn't there a teleprompter where they could tell you what's happening? Do we really have to watch Rick Sanchez looking up the news i by the time <laughs> by, by the time it's like watching you googling things and then you telling me what's interesting on google i don't i don't really need a news network to like have me watch their people look up the news online so in rick sanchez it's like he's got this folksy thing he's working like hey uh, hang on let me just look this up i'll have that for you in a second no someone in the back room has it right now rick <laughs> So I just wanted to get that off my chest. This the, this part of the conversation doesn't go anywhere. It's just me me versus Rick. I, I got nothing else to say on that, Liam. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's good that Liz doesn't have a job anymore. You can see. I miss those sort of rants. When she was working, she had so much work stuff to take care of. She couldn't really be focused on CNN as she is now. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to take a short break just to regroup. I have to breathe. Uh, and then um, then we're just going to tell you a few things, upcoming things happening in the Satellite Sisters Chaos Chronicles universe. Stay with us. You are listening to the Satellite Sisters Summer Splash with Leanne. Liz is also here. 
Thanks to Liz for forcing me out of my vacation mode to do the podcast today. I had a lot of fun. Just a reminder, things are happening. They are happening at chaoschronicles.com and satellitesisters.com. First off, Chaos Chronicles new season podcast begins next week, September 1. You're going to want to listen for that because we have some exciting news, right, Liz? We have a new sponsor coming on board September 1 for Satellite Sisters and Chaos Chronicles, and we will be announcing a new contest. Right, you're going to be able to see that on SatelliteSisters.com and see it and hear it on Chaos Chronicles. So we're really excited and we need your participation in this. There's going to be a job for you here and there are prizes involved and all sorts of fun things. So just check out SatelliteSisters.com and ChaosChronicles.com September 1st. All right, but in the meantime, continue to go to the uh, continue to go to the blogs. Remember, we both want to be your friends on Facebook. <laughs> you can friend me, Leanne Dolan. You can friend Liz Dolan. You can follow SS Liz on Twitter, Chaos Leanne on Twitter, or Satsis on Twitter. All possible. We have. If you don't want to get that close to us, you can just go to the Satellite Sisters Facebook page or the Chaos Chronicles Facebook page. It would just be great to connect. Really, stay in touch. Keep in touch. Come on, it's the fall. It's brand new beginnings. We want to stay in touch with you. So please, you know, contact us in some way. Uh, and oh, you know what, Liz? We've had a lot of fun doing the summer splash, haven't we? It has been fun. And, you know, we were thinking that, like, maybe we could extend the spirit of the Summer Splash into the fall. So we're going to call it Indian Summer Splash. Leon, are you okay with that, doing a little Indian Summer Splash? Yeah, and what that means is we'll be back on an occasional basis. Uh, we don't want to promise too much until we lock down a few things. But we really do love uh, being together, chatting with you. We love your feedback. Uh, we're happy that you're still listening. And so you never know what's going to happen. And in the meantime, just continue to check in on a regular basis uh, because you'll be hearing more of the Satellite Sisters Indian Summer Splash. That's a big idea from the branding expert behind me. she's available if you need her (laughs) okay everybody have uh have a great weekend have a great rest of the summer remember september 1 new season at chaos chronicles new sponsor at satellitesisters.com and chaoschronicles.com and don't forget call your satellite sister (laughs) 